welcome back to the Dungeon of Doom. It is currently 70 degrees in Michigan and we're indoors, Ben, recording a podcast. <laughs> I think we've made a wrong decisions with our lives. <laughs> I don't know. It's the biggest basketball day of the year. We're going to be busy from like 12 to 6 and then again tonight. It's just like, this is one of those days where you question your choices when you're looking outside a beautiful window. You drive here with the window down and it's just like, what are we doing? But hey, guess what? It's free agency and the NFL never sleeps. No, the NFL never sleeps. I think that's the one thing that we, it, I, it, the league just amazes me at their ability to keep our attention, maintain focus uh, on everything the league does. I mean, they televise their workouts for college players and it gets better ratings in the World Series. You know, it's just, it's pretty incredible stuff. This week, Ben, it's all about free agency. And in Lions case, you know, they, they've signed one guy, DJ Chark, and we're going to get that in the back end. We've got an interview coming up of the beat writer who's covered Chark in Jacksonville, so we'll get an insider's perspective. I'm looking forward to that and what the Lions are getting. But other than that, Ben, it's really just been a matter of the Lions bringing back, you know, running it back with the really the nucleus of, of last year's three-win team. I mean, Tracy Walker, Charles Harris, Khalif Raymond, Alex Anzalone, Tim Boyle, Josh Reynolds. Uh, I mean, and they got all the restricted guys too, including David Blau. That's all three quarterbacks running it back. That's the, the nucleus of the defense from last year running it back. What are your thoughts on the hand-wringing that is now taking place in Lions universe with what they've done in free agency? I, I understand the frustration to see nothing but re-ups from a three-win team that looked as bad as they did last year. But I do think it's important to note that this was never going to be an overnight deal. They weren't going to come in here, and I never imagined them to do anything close to what Jacksonville has done in free agency. I expected a little more. I'll be honest about that. No doubt about it. But I'm, I'm not really surprised by anything. The only thing that really surprised me was Anzalone over Reeves Maben and the fact that Reeves Maben, you know, there wasn't much chatter on that at all. I thought that was a guy the coaching staff loved, but hey, we're talking about maybe linebacker three here. So nothing crazy and significant, excuse me. But uh, yeah, you know, Chark, they added what they needed. They added what they said they needed most for their offense. They found it, an X receiver. So hard to hate, brought back Tracy, brought back Charles. That's some box crossing ahead of the draft right there. Yeah, I like the Chark deal. We'll get to that on the back end. Am I shocked by what they've done elsewhere, which is basically just these more, you know, premium, you know, good value, I guess, signings at the end of the roster? I guess not, given where they are in the rebuild. My only sense of surprise comes from, you know, Brad Holmes going to the combine, talking about how he's going to open up the purse a little bit more this year. And that hasn't really happened. Not not really. I, I mean, Tracy Walker, three years and 25 million is the biggest deal he's given out. The longest deal that he's given out, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it is what it is. You know, I don't think they've gotten a lot better. I, I think the outlook for 2022 at this point is it's, it's, it's pretty clear that even if there is a window to compete in the NFC North with some of the happenings that have taken place in Chicago and in Minnesota, the Lions are behaving like that doesn't really matter to them, that they've got, you know, more of a long-term plan in place and they're sticking to it, but, you know, despite what's happening around the league. And I guess maybe based on what Holmes has told us, Maybe we shouldn't be surprised, but again, I just, I, I was expecting more than one guy, DJ Tarek, if I do like that assignment. No, exactly. And I just think, yeah, we need a new definition on the player acquisition phase, I guess. <laughs> that was his, that was his big thing at the player acquisition phase. And you've got one guy you've acquired. <laughs> There's still time. And of course, their biggest resource is what they can do at the top of the draft. They got the number two overall pick. They've got the 32nd overall pick and the 34th overall pick. Just this week, it was announced they have an extra third round pick because of the comp formula. They'll have extra picks in the fifth round and the sixth round. So the plan, Ben, was always to build this thing through the draft. That's the most economical way to do it. They had so many holes. They can't really, it doesn't make a sense to blow a hole in the budget for a guy 
is going to be a, you know, a bandaid in years where you're not going to compete. I guess with the way things ended last year paired with, you know, some of the happenings around the North, I thought they might seize more of an opportunity to compete this year and spray a little more money around, but that's clearly not what they're doing. They're clearly leaving their financial options open going forward. Even their top guy they've signed in free agency, the guy they've signed is, is DJ Chark, and that's a one-year deal. So the only money that'll be on the books for him going forward is the dead money on his contract, about $6 million for next year. And that's it. That's all they've committed beyond this year to an outside guy. And so it leaves, you know, leaves open their options going into next offseason with, you know, maybe they like the quarterback situation a lot better, or maybe they sense that 2023 is going to be the year where they compete. And then at that point, you have the financial flexibility to go out and get the guys to plug the holes that, that you need plugged to make that kind of run. To me, Ben, though, like what we've seen this week is that they don't, I don't think that they're saying, yeah, 2022, we can compete. We're going to go for it. I mean, that, that's just not what they've done, not how they behaved, even though they have the money to go out there and spend. Yeah, no, the, the only, I, I expected them big money to be in on a safety or maybe a guy like Allen Robinson. And even when Chark signed, I was expecting multi-years, probably north of $30 million for a 25-year-old receiver with a thousand-yard campaign and a Pro Bowl not under his belt. But hey, it's been ultra-conservative, and that's been surprising. You know, Marcus Williams got $70 million. That was pretty hefty. Christian Kirk kind of reset the wide receiver world there for 24 hours, and that kind of erased Allen Robbins from my head. But yeah, it's just been really safe, and I agree with you. I think maybe they don't give too much of a crap about that possible window in the NFC North. I think they're just going to stick to what they're doing. You know, even though Brad said, Brad Holmes said, player acquisition phase, he's always made it clear that this thing is going to be built through the draft. And I guess that just outweighed the player acquisition phase comment. I mean, what do they got? Nine picks in the draft, that extra third rounder, you know, they've got some serious capital moving forward and just the way they've operated. I mean, there's cap space next year. The cap's going to go up again. There's going to be cap space the next year. It's going to go up again. I'm sure there too. So I just think everything us, us saying it's going to be the long game was true. Even, even through everything else. I mean, yeah, one player outside of a three win team. I will say the decision to bring back both quarterbacks, Tim Hoyle and David Blau, did surprise me. Yeah. I, I don't understand what they're doing at that position. I, you know, it, it makes sense in the NFL to carry a third quarterback. If you've got your starter, you need a backup at first for the starter, and then you have a developmental guy in place. That's usually the formula you see when you have a team carrying three quarterbacks. Lions carried two guys, neither of which, you know, two backups last year, neither of which is really a true developmental franchise kind of guy in, in, in Boyle and Blau. You know, with the COVID-ness of the year and uncertainty, I, I guess I understood it, you know, and as a new regime too, uh, their hands might have been tied a little bit. I don't know. But bringing both those guys back for where you also have golf, I, I guess I don't really know what they're doing because neither of those, you're not expecting David Blau to develop into your guy. You're not expecting Tim Boyle, I don't think, Tim Boyle to, to develop into your guy. And yet they brought both of those guys back. Not really sure what that means. And I, I don't think like, like neither of those deals are big enough for Boyle and Blau to take the line out of the running for a quarterback at the top of the draft. If they want him, Malik Willis or Kenny Pickett or whoever, like, like those deals aren't like big enough or long enough to really take that off the table. But at the same time, I do think these resignings kind of like tip their hand a little bit that they aren't in the market for a Malik Willis or Kenny Pickett. Cause if they were, I just don't think they would see the sense in bringing back two guys that were just backing up Jerry Goff last year. I, I guess I, I don't really understand exactly what they're doing at that position. 
but their moves this week do signal to me that they don't intend to be a serious player at the top of the draft for a quarterback. I agree with you. The the Blau one was super surprising. The Boyle one was surprising just how quick it got done. And I, I agree with you. Usually we try not to read too much into that, but that just feels like let's run it back in the QB room. These are three guys we feel safe with. These are three guys we trust. These are two guys that Jared Goff likes being with, I would assume. I mean, yes, I, I know that Lions fans will get anxious in the middle of next season and start crying for David Blau throwing 75 yard flea flickers but it's just like he's not your long-term answer tim boyle's not your long-term answer and i was i was really surprised by that too it just feels like the quarterback situation has been on pause since the first day brad holmes and dan campbell got here and that's the most confusing part about the regime because that does feel like a tipping of the hand like nope we got the backup we got the backups backup we got the camp body and david blau so it's just like okay buckle in for another full year of jared Goff with nothing challenging him from behind Nothing developing for the future. Very confusing in that regard. Defensively, you know, again, it's, it's they're going with more of the same. And I, I, I really like the re-signing of Tracy Walker. Mm. Three years, $25 million. I think that's a very economical deal when you look at what, you know, what guys are getting around the league. It's very sensible. And for both player and team, Tracy Walker gets a lot of guarantees, $17 million guaranteed. Which is, I mean, his life just changed financially. <laughs> You know, he's a third round guy. So it's, you know, this is a different tier of money for, and then, you know, with the, with the club, you get a guy, you get institutional knowledge, man. This guy has been around at this point. He's one of the longest tenured guys in Detroit. He came in, you know, into a DB room that had Quandre Diggs and Glover Quinn and Darius Slay and, and learned from those guys and learned quite a bit from those guys. And Tracy Walker has developed a lot over the years and he has seen a lot. And, you know, I'm, Going back, just thinking about things when we talked to him this week as I was preparing to write my story about Tracy. And it's like, man, this guy has never finished anywhere but last place in his NFL career. And I don't have his his record in front of me, you know, the Lions record for his time in Detroit, but it's really bad. I can tell you that. It's got two ties, <laughs> which is the more times than he's seen the postseason. I mean, it's it, like he is scraping the bottom of what it's like to be competitive in the NFL. And and yet he he comes back, and I do think that there is a lot of value in that because he's not just another rented player who's coming through. Like, this guy knows what this organization has been through, but it's fighting against the dynamics that are at play. And he's come out of it on the other side really steeled, I think, really, like, with a lot of resolution and, and, and resolve and, and wanting to be a part of the change and ultimately you just need you need good players but i think that there's something really to be said when you're culture building to bring back players who are part of that culture that he you know he's he's been on the one end of it and i think there's really something to be said about the guy that he wants to come out the other end of it i also think it says a lot about the coaching staff and their ability to connect with players and develop players to such a length that a guy like tracy walker who has options in free agency picks up the phone from his agent and he's like yeah, no, I'm, let's run it back in Detroit. Fuck it. Yeah. I mean, that's a direct quote from Tracy Walker <laughs> before I get yelled at by the <laughs> MLive powers that be. But no, but like, you know, it, I, I think it was a good, uh, sensible move, even if it's, you know, another, another lateral uh, move. First of all, yes, Tracy Walker is a starter level player. He's a very solid player, dependable player on the back end of that defense. But you want to reward guys that buy in. And he completely bought into this regime change. He completely bought into the scheme change. And I mean... I'm looking from our seat. It looks like he has a great relationship with Aaron Glenn. It looks like he has a great relationship with Aubrey Pleasant. We ask him why he wants to come back. He says that coaching staff, and I'm tired of the Detroit Lions being associated with terribleness. And it's just like Tracy Walker sounds like someone that understands fully 100%. He's, he's been completely lionized 
by by more than most. I think it was what five wins and or it was something crazy low his record is in Detroit. So it's like when he says, I want to be a part of the turnaround here, I want to be a I want to see this buy-in to the end. I want to see this culture finish its growth. I mean, that's that's the stuff you want to hear. And three-year, $25 million, that's a great deal for a starting-level safety that really showed signs of growth last season being put back into the role that he's best at. So it's just like great things moving forward. And you want to reward guys like Tracy Walker and Charles Harris that show legit signs of growth for a new coaching staff and a new culture. Yeah, you mentioned Charles Harris there at the end. Two years, $14 million for him to re-up. I think a good example of win-win situation between player and team. You know, Charles Harris was really good for the Lions last year, led them in sacks. Not enough of a track record to really cash in in free agency. So with this kind of deal, he gets paid in the short term, but it also sets him up for an opportunity that he continues to produce. He can cash in in a major way again in a year or two. And from the Lions' perspective, they bring back the top guy from last year, uh, which was important with Trey Flowers, you know, getting cut this week. And you don't know what you're going to get in Romeo Aquara. You know, there's some serious needs in the pass rush, which is a bad place to be in a passers mm-hmm. league. So that helps shore up the situation on the edge for now. But obviously, Ben, there's serious immediate needs, long-term needs in the pass rush. I mean, you can't go into next year with what you have or you're going to get creamed. And so, you know, I, I still think pass rusher at the top of the draft is what we're looking at. I mean, that's kind of where the talent has been anyway. When you look at the kind of, you know, some of the prospects who are up, you know, being considered for the number two pick. And, you know, the, even bringing back Charles Harris, I don't think, you know, changes anything, especially with the release of, of Trey Flowers. I, I still think we're talking about, you know, one of the pass rushers, whether Aiden Hutchinson and one of the other guys that are at the top of the draft when that comes around next month. I, I don't see anything they've done in free agency to affect that future. Kind of the same thing at receiver, even though they've brought back Josh Reynolds and they, and they signed DJ Chart. And I want to get to Chark because I know he, you know, he's the one guy that brought in. And, you know, we talked about some of the negatives and some of the drawbacks of what, you know, the Lions have done for agency, especially as it relates to the short term. I think long term, right, they're leaving their options open. Mm-hmm. It's a great thing. Short term, they have not gotten much better on paper, you know, from a three-win team. And I, I think there's cause for concern uh, with that approach with where this team's going to be next year. But having said all of that, the Chark deal... I love for Detroit. Yeah. I love it. I, I wrote a story about it for him live. One year, $10 million, all of it guaranteed. In a market where Christian Kirks is getting about a billion dollars, <laughs> and who knows what Devontae Adams is going to get yeah. seeing that deal. For real. It's gonna, that, that's going to mess with the market, and I think a lot of teams are seeing that. I think that's why Allen Robinson, as of this taping, is still unsigned. And yet the Lions get Chark for $10 bucks, which, you know, it's, I mean, it's a lot for, for one year for a guy who's missed 16 games the last two years. But Chark is also six foot four, which makes him one of the biggest receivers in this, uh, you know, free agency pool. Uh, four, three something speed. So he's, he's quick as hell. He's, you know, a good downfield option. He's an ex receiver. And anyone who's been paying attention to anything the Lions have been saying they're <laughs> doing throughout the free throughout the offseason knows this is exactly what they needed this vertical stretch to the offense, right? This vertical element to help complement what they already have in the shorter passing game with TJ Hawkinson, and Amon Ross St. Brown, and DeAndre Swift. So a great fit for player and team. There's no long-term financial like penalty. Like I think the Jaguars will eventually feel with a guy like Kirks. They structured the contract in a way where he will have six million dead money on, on, on next year's cap. But that's I mean that's that's basically it for a guy who's going to give you what you needed more than anything yeah. in the short term on offense. Ben, there's a, I think there's a lot to like about what the Lions have done. Yeah, there's so much to like. I mean, it gives Chark a chance on a prove a deal. It gives the Lions to see him for a year. I mean, it's comparable to that Charles Harris situation. The kid's 25 years old. He checks all the boxes of the things they needed. A deep threat with some height, 
a guy that can get downfield in a hurry, and a guy that just can be a go-to option. I mean, two years ago, the kid had 1,000 yards, 73 catches, and eight touchdowns as Jacksonville's number one guy. Wasn't exactly the best quarterback situation down there either. Hello, he's walking into that here too. The guy can produce. I mean, seriously, this is an X receiver. He's got some injury issues, 16 games missed over the last two years, but that's the friendliness of this deal. One year, guaranteed, two dummy years added to reduce the cap hit this year. I mean, I look at that signing and I just think about a guy like George Pickens and a guy like Christian Watson, guys that can come in and don't immediately need to start. Pickens off an injury, Watson out of North Dakota State, guys like that. I mean, this doesn't take them out of the receiver race. I still would be shocked if they didn't take two, you know, within those first 100 picks. Like, I think that's the best route to getting this thing on track because that is the room with pass rusher that needs an infusion of talent. They need talent on the outside on both sides of the ball. They need to help their quarterback, and they need to hurt opposing quarterbacks. I mean, period. That's what they need. It's just a good opportunity for the team to see what he is, give him a full year, hope he bounces back to health, and, I mean, maybe you have a long-term option here. You get him in the building, you show him what you're about, that gives you a good chance next year too. Maybe, you know, where the receiver market is going, you know, and you already have Amon Ra at that position. You have an opportunity, you have two swings in that 32, 34 range in the draft. I, you know, there's also a, a situation playing out where you can give Chark his one year, prove it year, much like what Charles Harris had last year and, you know, and some other guys and, and, and they ran with it. You know, Chark gets his one year to show, hey, I'm healthy. Hey, I'm still the guy who caught mm-hmm. a thousand yards just a couple, couple of years ago. And he gets that opportunity. So he can ball out for you. And as I saw Jamal Agnew, um, former Lions receiver, who's now in Jacksonville, I saw he said this week that you're going to get the best version of DJ Chark this year. And I don't doubt it because he's coming off injury. Mm -hmm. All the reports out of Jacksonville is that he didn't get along with Urban Meyer. And we'll we'll ask him. I wonder if he got kicked or punched. <laughs> no. So we'll talk about that in the podcast with our guests from Jacksonville. But, but you know, so Turk gets an opportunity to come in here, Ben, and improve himself. And if he does and he, ball, he, and he does ball out, the lines are the beneficiary. And in the meantime, they have a chance to develop whatever receiver they get this year in the draft to pair with Amon Ross St. Brown. And you still have Josh Reynolds under contract for the next two seasons. That's a lot of talent mm-hmm. and i mean presumably right it's presuming they they do get a receiver in that range of 32 to 34 which we expect it, it just opens up a lot of options both in the short term and long and hey you want to go out and like sign chart to a long-term deal because he's that guy for you then like by all means but if you want to invest that money uh, somewhere else i think that you you know if things work out with the acquisition at receiver you've got Amon Ron, you've got Josh Reynolds. I mean Quintez Sivas is coming off injury this year. I mean you got you got some options and I think that's a good place to be in a league where the market is absolutely getting obliterated right now at wide receiver. Oh absolutely. I mean shoot. <laughs> yeah, like you said, I mean the Lions aren't splurging and they're not tying themselves up for years down the road. I think the way they've approached it has been surprising, but I also think it's been smart. I mean I think they're not jumping their guns or like we've said time and time again. I mean they're keeping their options open and that's what a team with so many draft picks and that's what a team that was as bad as they were last year should be doing so there you go i mean i understand why people are frustrated player acquisition phase and you bring in one player and he's from the jacksonville jaguars i mean i understand that that's a little frustrating but hey he's a box checker of what this team needed and their options are open and uh shoot their very promising draft situation even looked better this week so i i still think things are heading in the right direction i'm a little surprised at the conservative nature but it is early and they've got money to spend and they've got some extension questions to ask themselves in the coming year and they're they're keeping it open. So we got a couple guests. So we talked this week, Ben, to uh, DJ Chark. So let's get to some audio from DJ Chark, the man himself, about how he feels, uh, you know, coming into Detroit, the situation here. 
and then we'll get to we'll get to our guy from Jacksonville on the on the back end and get an insider's perspective on on what the Lions are getting here in DJ Chuck. I appreciate the opportunity to come here and uh, show what I can do. Last year was my first time ever sitting out that many games uh, in my career, and being out watching the whole football season go by makes you it, it gives you a lot of feelings. One feeling is uh, hunger. Uh, I really, really can't wait to get out there, be the best that I can be. I'm not afraid to fail, you know. I just want to give my best. So, you know, that's what I'm coming here to do, give my best and see where the chips fall. But I think it's going to be pretty good, so I'm not worried at all. Where are you at in your, your rehab anyway? Uh, I'm running routes. I'm not uh, as explosive as I want to be yet. But to say that it's only March 17th, I think I'm in a really good spot. By the time, you know, the lights come on, I'm going to be where I want to be and be who I want to be. And you mentioned you were talking to players that were here. Um, obviously, you played with a couple ex-Lions last year. Uh, share some of that, you know, the, the what they had said about coming here. And, yeah, you know, nah, more, 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 more of an ad. Uh, I consider them brothers. Uh, they really, really good guys. They spoke highly of Detroit. More so I can get his career if I need it. <laughs> <laughs> we got a studio and all, so I might take him up on it now. But uh, not nah, great guys. Uh, I'm glad that those were the two guys to come here. Looks like we did a switcheroo, you know, and I wish the best for them in Jacksonville. Uh, we talk a lot. We're going to continue to talk a lot. Uh, but they they spoke very highly of the place of the city, and they have a good idea of who I am. They say I'm gonna like it, so. I'm excited to see what he has in store with the Lions just because uh, at the time we were, we had like the same record or whatever, but the games look, look different, you know, and I appreciated the way that the hustle and the, the grit and the way that they persevered and went from tying games to winning games and playing better and I truly appreciate the way that this staff kept that team together and have faith in, in those guys. And I know that means a lot to them. And so I'm, I'm ready to be a part of it. I feel like it's, it's definitely a different field than what I've been experiencing. Can you talk a little bit about your personal experience through free agency? You know, how, how many teams did you talk to or agent talk to? And where were you when the deal was finally done? So we might have, the way my agent is, and I am, we kind of didn't really communicate off of interest. It was just really what teams, what, how they see me. And I had a few other uh, places where, kind of like earlier, I had like a few, one or two long-term deals, but it wasn't the right fit. This was the right fit. And I'm, I'm happy about my decision. So, yeah, uh, free agency is, is pretty wild. You never know what to expect. Uh, the media drive a lot of narratives and, you know, we kind of get swept away in that, even as players and free agency is when like the truth meets, you know, so I'm, I'm happy with the way it checked out for me. But like, like when you made that decision, it was great. You know, it was a lot of anxiety built or based around it, but culture is what sold it. Okay, so we just heard from DJ Chark, the new receiver in Detroit. Now to, to break down this signing from Jacksonville is John Shipley joining us from the Jaguars Report. John, welcome to the program. Hey, how you guys doing? Thanks for having me on. 
Absolutely. Welcome to the dungeon. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you're, you guys have had a crazy week, so we appreciate it. What, a quarter billion dollars worth? <laughs> yeah. Contract. Compared to last year when their day one signings were Carlos Hyde and Philip Bertset, it's been quite the 180. Yeah, no doubt. So obviously, big news up here is with, with DJ Chark, um, a guy you covered in Jacksonville. You know, we, we've seen the box score we've heard from Lions personnel about what they expect from him. You know, downfield X receiver, you know, had a thousand yard season a couple of years ago, was injured last year, you know, doing the, the one year prove a deal in free agency, you know, here in, in Detroit. I guess, what can you tell us beyond all of that, John, what are the, the Lions getting in DJ Chark? Yeah, no, I mean, you, you kind of laid it out there with, you know, next receiver who can stretch the field, you know, I really... When Chark went down with his ankle injury last year, the Jaguars' offense like completely got neutered because he was their only real vertical threat. You know, the only guy they could put outside, stretch the field. I mean, it got to the point where you know they moved Lavisca Chenault to the X position when Chark went down, and it ended up being a move so bad that you know Chenault could potentially now be on the move because his last season was so disastrous that he was out of place. So Chark is a guy who, in my opinion really valuable to Jaguars offense. He plays to his uh, 4-3 speed in terms of deep separation. He's not, you know, elite at running away from guys and not amazing after the catch, but he's able to get open deep. I, I know last year, you know, he was one of the few guys who, you know, was able to burn Patrick Sertan. You know, if it wasn't for uh, defensive pass interference, that would have been, you know, one of his big highlights of the season, you know, before he got hurt just three games in. And I mean, the, the way I look at it, you know, he, he, you know, it says four games played last year, but he got hurt on like the third play of the fourth game. So really three games. And he still caught a sixth of Trevor Lawrence's touchdowns, you know, in, in those three games. You know, I mean, he he's a really acrobatic receiver. You know, he can come down with the tough catches in terms of balance, you know, corner of the end zone. He's not going to be somebody who you go to a lot over the middle or in contested catch situations because, you know, he just isn't somebody who thrives against contact. But, you know, at, at the end of the day, he's legit in terms of his size, his frame, his ability to get open downfield. And he's really good at tracking deep ball. I think if he had better deep ball passers in his career with the Jaguars, you know, I mean, his Pro Bowl season came with Gardner Minshew at quarterback. And Minshew, you know, for all the positive traits he has, he simply isn't, you know, a vertical passer. So I, I, I think Shark has flashed a lot of talent. And I really think, you know, he still hasn't broken out, even though he, you know, is a guy who had a 1,000-yard season, a Pro Bowl season. I think if it were not for injuries and, you know, some quarterback issues, you know, he only got to play three games with really the only, you know, above average quarterback he's ever played with. I think, you know, you would have saw a lot more. From now, what did go wrong for him in Jacksonville? Because you look at a 25-year-old guy, 4'3 speed, six foot four. They, they spend that money on Zay Jones and Christian Kirk. I mean, what did go wrong for him in Jacksonville? Why isn't he still there? Why isn't he a part of that moving forward, in your opinion? Yeah, no, the Jaguars were never very serious about keeping Chark in-house. I, I, I know Trent Baalke got asked about it yesterday, and he said DJ's a good player, and he's a good person, and it was just a case of the two sides couldn't, you know, come together, but at least in my eyes, it was the Jaguars not valuing Chark enough. And Chark was somebody who, at least in my opinion, was one of those young players who simply needed a new start because of the losing in Jacksonville. You know, that that, that isn't to say, you know, the losing will continue. But, you know, if you're a 25, 26, 24-year-old player and Jacksonville is all you've known, you're probably going to want, you know, try something else. Because it, in his eyes, you know, and this, this isn't me speaking for him, but this is just my opinion. You know, in his eyes, he can probably get the most out of his own potential if he's somewhere where more winning happens. So I think the Jaguars simply didn't value him enough. And he himself, you know, kind of wanted to find greener pastures. And it, it, it was odd, you know, last year, Urban Meyer, you know, before training camp even started, said he wanted Chark to play bigger and stronger. And it was the first time in NFL history a coach ever said he wants his number one receiver to play more like Lewis Murphy. But nonetheless, uh, it, it was clear to me when they said that where he kind of 
you know, like not not really trash chart, but said, you know, hey, the year before he was weak, he wasn't big, he didn't play to our standards. That to me kind of said that, okay, Jaguars aren't very high on him. And th- this, again, it's just my opinion, not reporting this, but Urban Meyer isn't exactly somebody who was known as a tape watcher. There was one moment where he thought Joe Mixon played for the Houston Texans. So I'm just assuming that that opinion he had of Shark likely came, you know, from the front office, you know, guys like Trip Balky, you know, that kind of stuff. So I think the Jaguars just simply the regime that ended up not resigning him was not the same regime that drafted him. You know, it wasn't Dave Caldwell. You know, we've seen the Urban Meyer stuff, I guess, you know, trickle out over the last few months. I also read, you know, after the Lions signed Chark, that Chark and Urban Meyer didn't have a great relationship or that there was some kind of strain there. Do you have any idea of what was going on between? Well, Meyer, his comments about Chark, like you said, not playing strong, not playing. You know, I, I think he even said he it was like well, well below their standards. He said that to the media. You know, that wasn't something that, you know, had just like leaked out or something. He said that to the entire local media and that was, I remember that press conference that ended up being a big topic of the day afterwards, you know, especially on radio, in print, you know, on the internet. I'm, I know I wrote a couple of stories on it, you know, like the head coach coming out and saying his number one receiver was a bad player last year. So I think that probably had a lot to do with it. I know Urban was, it, it, every time you would go out to a training camp practice uh, before, you know, DJ had uh, some injuries that, you know, sidelined him for the second half of training camp, but for the first half of training camp, you'd always see Urban and DJ working on the field together and Urban trying to press them, stuff like that. So I do think there was a bit of a working relationship there, but I I, I think just Urban's general, you know, his approach to things where, you know, he's going to, you know, be sometimes too bluntly honest, you know, and even take things out house that, you know, really shouldn't be. I think that probably played a big part in it. And I just think I, Urban wasn't a player's coach. You know, he wasn't somebody who was really liked or respected by players. You know, we both mocked Aiden to Detroit last week. You know, that was just on the heels of the Cam Robinson tag. You know, a lot happened in the last week. I saw your tweet yesterday and just wanted to ask about it. You know, bet the mortgage situation on adding Aiden to the Jacksonville Jaguars at pick one. Just go through your thoughts real quick before you get out yeah. of here. And I, I say that as somebody who's not currently paying a mortgage. So I feel <laughs> I feel especially okay with betting the mortgage. No, I think, you know, yesterday, you know, obviously Cam Robinson franchise tag, you know, really all the excuses that people have came out to still mock a tackle to the Jaguars at one kind of got shattered to pieces the last few days. Because one, they were like, okay, Cam Robinson's on a franchise tag. That's a warning of deal. Trent Balky just said that they talked to his agents yesterday about a long-term deal. So, okay, Cam's a left tackle. What about right tackle? Well, he got asked about, you know, okay, do you feel comfortable right tackle is that position of need? And he quite literally, not exaggerating, laughed in the reporter, like laughed at the reporter's face and said, is that a serious question? And the reporter was like, well, yeah, you know, do you feel comfortable with Jawan Taylor and why? And he goes, because he's a very good player. That's up for debate. And the reporter, you know, to his credit, my man, John Reed, pushed the push back on him and said, well, you know, based on last season, is it your assessment that Jawan Taylor is a good player? And he you know, more or less said, I'm not going to debate you about Jawan Taylor, et cetera. So they clearly believe in Jawan Taylor. Then you have Walker Little, who they picked number 45 overall last year. And now it looks like they picked a swing tackle in the second round, which is something in and of itself. But Walker Little is a guy who started three games of left tackle last year, in my opinion, was better than Cam Robinson. So, you know, you have three tackles who they're high on. I'm not imagining they're going to pick a tackle at number one. John Shipley, thank you very much for your insights from the Jaguars Beat, Jaguars Report. John, thank you very much. Yeah, appreciate it, guys. This has been Ben Raven and Kyle Mikey of M Live's Detroit Lions Beat. 
Thank you for listening to the Dungeon of Doom, an MLive Detroit Lions podcast. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Acast, Apple, Spotify, Google. Like I said, wherever you get them and listen to them, make sure to subscribe to the Dungeon of Doom. Thanks again.